Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. This morning, we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 7, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk to you for a moment about appointments. How many of you guys know what an appointment is? Yeah, some of us had doctor's appointments this last week. Um, some of us have appointments every, every week. Some of you guys have staff meetings. You guys have different appointments you have to fulfill, uh, different things like that. Uh, defined, appointment is defined as an arrangement to meet someone at a particular time and place. Or B, second definition from dictionary.com, an act of appointing, assigning a job or position. So those, that, that is how appointment is defined. There is a place of meeting or receiving. Today we're going to be looking at three verses. Nehemiah chapter 7, 1 through 3. Let's read it real quick. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened. That is verse 3. So... Let's, let's hit the first two verses. There we go. After, wall, after the wall had been built and I set the doors in place, the gate, the gate, uh, I can't read. I set the doors in place. The gatekeepers and musicians and the Levites were appointed. And I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hananiah, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because. Everyone say because. Because is an amazing word. Because it adds information. <laughs> because it means it's not over. Because it means that this is more important. He was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the, while the gatekeepers are still on duty, have them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their post and some near their own houses. Father, I pray right now that you get me out of the way. Lord, you're already here. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you've done already this morning in hearts. And Lord, I pray that your word challenges us and changes us. Let us not walk out of here the same way. Lord, your word says in Isaiah 55 that it will accomplish what you intend for it to accomplish. So Lord, I pray that it accomplishes in us. Lord, and Lord, help us. Help us not get in the way of your word today. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. I just have two thoughts for you today. The first thought is appointment with God. Appointments with God lead to appointment from God. And I want to look at Hananiah for a moment. We don't know a lot about Hananiah. We know that that was a pretty common name in the Bible. A lot of people were named Hananiah. This is not Hananiah, the false prophet. Um, this is, this is uh, not the Hananiah that was a, uh, a smith in the third chapter of Nehemiah. This is a different Hananiah. Is a pretty common name, and, and and from my from my studies, this is the only place I could find that this particular Hananiah was mentioned in the Bible. And think about this: 
He is forever recorded for eternity because God's word will not pass away as a man of integrity and a man who fears God. If you're going to be recorded as something, man, that is such a, 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 a thing to put under your name. But I want to look at Hananiah for a moment because he has an impressive resume. He was commander of the um, citadel uh, of the of the armory in Jerusalem. That, that commander means that he he somehow had military experience, and he also went up probably through the ranks because the last I'm not an expert in the military, but but I know that you just don't step into a rank. You're you, you, you go up through ranks, you earn rank. You, you might be assigned as a lieutenant if you go through ROTC or something like that or, or some sort of military academy. You might get a, a, a commissioned rank or you, you might get a non-commissioned rank. If you go through basic training, you, you start off as a private or, or an airman or something like that. But the reality is you don't just get sergeant major of the army or, or, or four-star general. You, you earn it. So we know that Hananiah had to earn some stuff in life. He was commander. That means he had authority. He had some clout. He uh, was commander of the citadel. That's the armory. So he probably had been through battle. He's, he's done some stuff. And based on that alone, he probably would be a good candidate for co-governorship of Jerusalem. Because Nehemiah, his time as governor is about to end. He's going to have to go back to the king's court. And, and the, the reality was it was never a, a, a full-time gig for Nehemiah. It was never going to be a lifelong commitment. He, he set to build the walls and he accomplished his purpose. Now he's appointing. He's appointing people to make sure that the vision for Jerusalem would continue make sure that it would not stop when he's gone. And he chooses Hanani and Hananiah. Hananiah stood out to me for, for a particular reason. Anyone can get a job because they're related to someone. Come on, Hanani. I'm not talking about you today. But Hananiah was chosen not because of his resume, because he was a man of integrity. Because he feared God more than most people. And, and I, I thought about this because one thing I know is you don't just get integrity. You don't just get fear of God. You don't just wake up one day and say, I'm a man of integrity. Or, man, I just have a healthy fear of God and his holiness. I just have a great relationship with God. You don't just get that. You can get a relationship with God in a moment by saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. But to cultivate a personal, deep relationship with the Lord takes time. And that means before he was ever appointed from God, he had appointment times with God. We defined appointment earlier as setting aside time to spend, like you have an appointment with your doctor Thursday at 2.30. Some of you guys are like, do I have an appointment? Um, you set aside that time, and you're going to go spend time with the doctor. And you might say, well, it sounds really 
unrelational to say you're going to set an appointment with God. Well, you can judge me or not. I honestly don't care. But the reality is, if you don't set aside time to spend with God, you are not going to spend time with God. It doesn't just happen. The, the last time I checked is we had a very active enemy that does everything he can to get us busy. If he can't get you to fall into temptation, he's going to get you so busy that you can't spend time with God. That's the reality of it. And, and, and he gets us busy with good things, good things. Spending time with your family, that's a good thing. Going to the lake, and that's a great thing. You know, actually, family's a great thing. The lake is a good thing. But, but the reality is we can get so busy on good and great things that we're not doing the greatest thing. And, and the greatest thing, which is so funny that, that Ben this morning hit on the difference between good and great. If you, if you have time to show up at 9 a.m., Show up for prayer. It's, it's a good time. We have to prioritize God. And I would challenge you to set appointments with God. Because the reality is, if you're not setting appointments with God, you're not going to grow in God. I set appointments with God. I, don't, I, I set a starting time, not an ending time. So, <laughs> like, well, God, you have an hour. I'm doing you a favor. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, we don't do God favors. But what I am saying is when we set appointments with God, it will affect our appointment from God. Hananiah was a man who clearly had a lot of appointment times with God to develop integrity. Now, integrity is an interesting thing. And I think this is why he was chosen, because he was a man of integrity. That's what the Bible says. But integrity is not just um, some novel idea that we strive for, but the, the best definition I've ever heard of integrity is not something you find online. It was told to me by my ninth grade English teacher, and it's stuck with me all these years. It's being consistent all the way through. You want to define integrity, be consistent all the way through. You would say a tire that cannot hold air has no integrity. It's not consistent. That means when pressure gets put on it, it leaks. When, when you have integrity, you don't fold under pressure. You don't get pushed over when storms come. You stand and you're strong when you have integrity. When I was a, a, a boy... Growing up in Arkansas, I would go into the woods with my cousin, and we would find old dead trees that, that had bark around them. And we did some of the dumbest things you could ever do. Like we would rock these dead trees back and forth that were about that big, and the tops of them were waving, falling off, and we're dodging tops of trees and everything. My parents would probably have a heart attack if they knew the things that I did that could have killed me growing up. Man, um, I'm very thankful that God... Um, <laughs> didn't let me die. Uh, but we will push over these dead trees, and we feel so macho because we are pushing over a tree. It looked like it was healthy at the bottom, but when you look up, you could tell that it was dead on the inside. It had no integrity. So that 11-year-old boy can walk up to it and rock it and push it over. It would just crumble. It had no integrity. It wasn't consistent. It had bark, 
It looked good, but it had no integrity. Jesus hit on this when he talked to the Pharisees. He said, you guys are whitewashed tombs. You can, you can wash a tomb as much as you want. You could, you could paint it as pretty as you want, but on the inside, it's still dead. If we don't have integrity, we're still dead. We've got to be consistent all the way through. Integrity goes hand in hand with character. Now, character, that same teacher, he said, character is what you and God know you are when no one's around. What you and God know you are when no one's around. So you could say, talk a big talk, but when no one's around, who are you? Because you, you can have a facade of in character and integrity, but God knows who we are. And that's why it's so important that in the church today, we don't put facade on, that we don't put a face on, that we are who we are, because that's how we grow. And how do we, how do we change this? Maybe you're really good about putting that face on. Well, I would suggest you put, make an appointment with God. Do you know the one thing about appointments with God? He's never been late to one appointment I made with him. He's always been early. Now, I've been late I've set my alarm for 5 a.m., and I've hit the snoozer a couple times, but he's so gracious in waiting for me. He's so gracious in waiting for me in this appointment time. And the reality is, our appointment times with God affect our character and our integrity. And it's there where he cultivates us for the appointment from him. You might say, why am I not appointed yet? Where, where is my appointment from God? Why is he not using me yet? Well, it's not time yet. It's not your appointed time. I would argue that you need to spend some more appointing time with him so you can be appointed from him for the proper time. Because if you're not appointed in what you feel the Lord wanting you to do, it's not time for you to be appointed. And that's just the reality of it. So, Keep making appointments with God. Keep spending time with God. Keep going after God. And he's cultivating in you what you need for your appointment from God. And I love the fact that what qualifies. I love the fact that Nehemiah included the word because. Describing Hananiah. Because it makes me feel better. I pray that it makes you feel better. Because if you look at this guy, he's a leader already. He's a, he has an impressive resume. But he wasn't chosen by what's written on his resume. He's chosen because of what's written on his heart. Your most qualifying features are not written on a resume or something you can tangibly look at. It's something between you and God that God knows. Your most qualifying features is what's written on your heart. And how do they get written on your heart is spending appointed time with God. This reminds me of a story out of 1 Samuel 16. David is out looking at sheep. He's watching the sheep. He's guarding the flock. That's his job. He smells like the flock. That's, that's what he did. Samuel gives a word from the Lord, and it's a question. The prophet Samuel 
he says, Samuel, Samuel, I'm, I'm contextualizing these verses. He said, why are you still grieving over Saul? Samuel felt like a failure because he appointed and anointed someone to be king, and the guy just went off the deep end. Saul was a great king on the exterior at first, but he had no integrity. And when pressures came, he, he folded under pressure and started doing things that did not honor God. He quit listening and obeying God, even though it was hard. He started looking like the other kings instead of looking like God. And suddenly he didn't have integrity. And God said, you're not no longer going to be king over Israel. I'm removing you and your line from the face of the earth. Samuel is grieving because this was the first king of Israel. And God said, Samuel, I want you to get up and I want you to go to Bethlehem and you're going to go um, see Jesse. One of his sons is going to be the next king. I'm looking for a king. Uh, I'm looking for a man that, that, that's after my own heart. And so he gets up and he goes to, to Jesse. And Jesse's scared at first. And he's like, hey, what are you doing here, uh, man of God? You know, And, 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 and there was a, a command that Samuel had. He said, I want you to gather all your sons. We're going to anoint some. We're, we're going to make a, a feast and we're going to make a sacrifice and we're going to anoint the next king. And Samuel gathered all his sons. So Samuel, or, and Jesse gathered all his sons. So Samuel thought. And we step into it right here. And it's kind of an interesting statement. But it says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I'm so glad that the Lord looks at the heart, not my resume. I'm so glad that the Lord looks at things that you guys can't see. Because, man, if you looked at my life, I'm not that impressive. And a lot of us probably feel the same way. But that's a cool thing about God. He sees your worth when no one else does. And the rest of Samuel, Samuel lines up, like oh, it's not Eliab, and... Jesse's like, well, I guess the next guy, and it's not him, the next one, it's not him. We go through a ton of these sons, and, and Jesse's like, I don't know what to tell you. Samuel's like, is this all your sons? And like, like when you think about this, I mean, he has like a ton of sons, and he's like, is this all of them? Like, I don't know what Jesse would have been like, well, you want more? You know, like, my wife would kill me. But it's like, oh yeah, there's David. He's out guarding the flock. Is David's coronation, anointing day, an anointed and appointed day, and he's not even invited to it. They had to go find him. His own family overlooked him. Like, they didn't see his worth. That's just, a, that's just the runt that watches the flock. But, you know, it was in David's time in the wilderness that that this, this, uh, this uh, appointment time with God, that he penned some very amazing words that we read last week. The Lord is my, I have all that I need. Or, man, commit your ways to the Lord and he will act on your behalf. The Lord is my strength and my shield and whom shall I fear? You know, like, he writes all these amazing things in the back country. Because he had appointment time with God and then his appointed time came 
and they have to go get him from his appointment. Your appointment that you're in right now might not be your appointment for tomorrow, but the reality is you got to serve in the appointment right now. All of us want something tomorrow. All of us want the next thing of God. God wants you to serve now. God wants you to be who he placed, where he placed you to be now. Guess what? David showed up to the party, and, and he kneeled down before Samuel. They anointed him, and he got pronounced the next king of Israel. And guess what? He just went back out to the flock with oil all over his face and a greasy hairdo. And he served 20 more years in the back country. There are times where he went to the palace, he killed Goliath and all that stuff. But it was 20 years between his appointment and his appointment time before he became king. He wasn't ready for the palace. So he went back and he served where he was appointed last until he was ready for the palace. God saw who he was, the qualities of his heart. David was a man after God's own heart. Eliab, or not Eliab, Hananiah was a man after God's own heart. A man of integrity and he feared God more than most. You know that's not something that you just walk around like, hey guys, I'm a man of integrity and I fear God more than you <laughs> and most of you. Um, that's not what he did. Those are features that people saw on him. That's who he was. David, he didn't have to go around saying, man, I'm a man after God's own heart. People knew that he was a man after God's own heart. His life just exuded that. That's what it did. When you're a man of integrity, when you're a man after God's own heart, your life is going to speak more for, for what God's going to do through you than any words you could ever say. So I would argue Quit trying to place yourself somewhere God doesn't want you and just wait for him to place you. Wait for God to place you. How we live can speak so loud about our relationship with God. How we live, how we present ourselves speaks more about our relationship with God than any words on Facebook, than any I'm a Christian in your profile. How we live People can, like, Facebook is a facade anyways. How are we living day to day? How are we treating the people that cut us off in traffic? How are we treating the people that, that aren't treating us well? Are we loving people? Are we going after Jesus? Because that's when God says, I see your heart. <laughs> it's easy to act like a Christian when you're surrounded by Christians, when everyone's acting like a Christian. It's harder to be a Christian when no one else is a Christian. And God wants us to be a Christian, not to act like a Christian. Because when you are, when you are, that's going to overflow into your actions. Your appointment times and meeting with God will directly pour into your appointment from God. I, uh, I've been trying to make appointments with God at various times throughout the day, and I've been doing different things. And here re lately, personally, like I was talking to my mom, and she was just praying for me. And there are times when God speaks to you, and you don't want to hear it. Have you guys ever had that? My mom was praying for me, and 
and uh, she was really encouraging me, and uh, probably to eat. She always encourages me to eat, like every mom. Which, but I just remember hearing the Lord say, you need to get up at 5 a.m. in the morning. And I thought, that's not God. That is not God. God is not even awake at 5 a.m. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get up at 5 a.m. I'm going to do it. And I, I, this was Thursday. I'm like, God, I know this isn't God because Friday is my day off. You know, like, you know, what? wait, 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 let me get this straight, God. Let me, just, let me get up at 5 a.m. Like, like, even my kids sometimes sleep in on Fridays. There's that small chance that I might be able to hit 745 and sleep in. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I, and I know, like, in the middle of the night, I discovered it was God. Because that night I had to get up like four times concerning my children. And I was like, there's no way, there's no way this is not God. Because my kids don't ever wake up that many times in a night. I mean, they wake up a lot, but not that many times. It was Satan trying to rob me of as much sleep as he could to rob me from an appointment time with God. And I got up, dead asleep. I grabbed coffee, and I didn't change. I put a shirt on. I put shoes on, and I walked through my neighborhood. You guys would have been so proud. Um, I looked like a zombie walking through my neighborhood. I'm pretty sure that the police officers were watching me, you know. Like, is he, is he scoping out the joint? Because it's not even light yet. It's still dark. Like, this guy's going to rob one of us. And, um, but I'm just walking down, praying. And the Lord just really started laying things on my heart for you guys. And... If I would have not had that appointment time with God, I don't know if the Lord would have done that. And he encouraged me in that time. It was like, it wasn't anything super profound. It wasn't like I was rolling around in the parking lot of some neighbor or something like that, or the Holy Spirit just claps me to the ground or, or anything. It was just walking and listening and sipping on coffee. And it was quite frankly, amazing. Sometimes God doesn't show up the way we expect. I didn't know. I didn't even know where I was doing. I ended up driving to the mall, walking there for a little bit. I ended up driving downtown, walking there for a little bit. And I'm like, God, I guess I'll go. I ended up driving here and just walking the grounds here for a little bit. Then I ended up, of course, I know it was the Lord because it led me to Dunkin' Donuts afterwards. And, uh, But appointment times affect our appointed time. And David, he waited 12 years. You know, some things that can get in the way of our appointment, though. Two things I've noticed in my life that get in the way of appointment. Preference. Preference gets in the way of appointment. And importance. There are things that we think are so important that we will go to town and go to war for that God's like, I don't care. I don't care. I didn't die for your building. I didn't die for the stuff that you can create. I died for people and preference. And I want you to hear my heart because when we start wanting preference over God's will. 
I don't care how many appointment times you make with God, he's not going to appoint you. Because he wants people that are after his heart, that are full of integrity, and that fear him more than most. And if we start saying, God, I prefer this over what you want, God's going to be like, okay, you can prefer that. Guess what? I'm going to use him. I'm going to let you just sit there in your preference until you're ready. And guys, I, you got to hear me on this. We have to let go of preference if we want God to move. We have to let go of what we think is important if we want God to show up in our lives. We have to. Because there are so many things that the church focuses on that does not matter in eternity. God wants to do amazing things through his church. And we get in the way by saying, God, I want you to, but on my terms. And that's not how God works. And he'll never work on our terms. So when the faster we can let go of preference, the faster we can let go of what we think is important, the faster God's going to show up and blow our minds. But it starts with us saying, God, I want what you want. And help me be a man of integrity and character and a person after your own heart. You want a starting place? Set an appointment time. And you start praying, God, I want what you want. God, I want what you want. God, I want what you want. And watch your preference slowly fade away. Because when we start praying, God, I want what you want, our perspective changes. Our mindset changes. Our, our, our what we think is important changes. We suddenly see that this is just a place, but we can be the church. We can walk in the anointing of God and see people healed at work. Because God wants to save your coworkers. I told you last week, God's favorite word is yes. God wants to save your family. God wants to do things through you. But it starts with saying, God, I want what you want. Not what I want. Preference will kill vision. Preference will kill culture, and preference will keep you from being used by God. I dare you to lay it down. We all have preferences, but I can tell you this. When we get on the same page and say, God, I want what you want, well, there'll be a unity and there'll be a, a move of God that we've never seen before because we're out of the way. God doesn't need anything. God doesn't need us. If we're silent, the rocks will cry out. God doesn't need us. He chooses to use us. And if he chooses to use us, that means he doesn't need our opinion. He doesn't need our preference. He's got the details worked out. All he needs is a willing person. And I dare you 
just to be a willing person. I dare you just to add that prayer. You want to see answered prayer? Start praying, God, I want what you want. That's a prayer he'll answer 100% of the time. And, you know, here's the deal with prayers. You, you said, Pastor Ryan, last week, you, 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 Ryan, you said God's favorite word is yes. It is. Sometimes he tells you no, though, because he's holding out for a better yes. If you knew what God knew about your life, you would have made every decision leading up to this point that he made. I'm going to repeat that. If you knew what God knows about your life, you would make every same decision that he made for your life. Every same decision. Because he sees a grand scope of things. He sees where your life is going. So we got to trust him and say, God, I want what you want. Help me to let go, let, let go of importance. Help me to let go of what I think is important and focus on what you think is important. When you think about this, in college, I'm sure the statistics are, are changed a little bit, but last time I heard, they weren't as of a couple years ago. But there is a thing that we called the EMU. E-M-U. Evangelized, missionalized, and unreached. Evangelized means that the person knows enough about Jesus to get saved. They know enough about Jesus to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior. Missionalized means they've heard the name of Jesus, but they don't know enough about him to accept him as Lord and Savior. And unreached means they never heard the name of Jesus. They, they, they just don't know. Well, half of the world is missionalized. Half of the world's population, let's say we have 7 billion people, half of that, 3.5 billion people have heard the name of Jesus, but they don't know enough about Jesus to get saved. A quarter of the world's population is unreached unreached 1.25 billion or however many it is that means a quarter of the world's population is evangelized they know enough about jesus to get saved but we all know that just because they know enough about jesus to get saved does not mean they have a relationship with jesus how many of you guys know people that know the way the truth and the and the life but they don't follow the way the truth and the life you know what i'm saying they know about, but they don't know him. Well, let's just say for, for mass sake that all 25% of evangelized people are Christians because every Christian, that's, good of, that, that's how good of an evangelist they are. That would be awesome. That's what I'm praying for. Let's just say 25% of the world's population is saved. Because I'm not like we honestly don't know how many people are saved out of that evangelized 25% or not. We we have an idea. So with that said, on average, about 120 people, 119 people die every minute. Do the math. That's about 90 people a minute die and go to hell. And we want to get stuck on preference. And we want to get stuck on we want we want to get stuck on what we think is important we have 40,000 40 plus thousand people in this town alone not including spring hill and the surrounding areas do the math wow this is heavy pastor ryan yeah it is heavy because the lord told us to go into the world and preach the gospel that's important that's important He gave us our list of our priorities, and he gave us a list of his preferences. And when we want what he wants, 
those preferences become our preferences. And Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And the beautiful part about that um, statement is the fact that the more we delight in the Lord, the more appointment times we make with the Lord, the more, the more, the more his desires become our desires. And suddenly, that's really, it's really a cool statement from God saying, delight yourself in the Lord, and I'll give you the desires of my heart. Too many Christians don't have his desires because we're caught up on, man, my parking spot was taken. <laughs> or, man, we don't have pews anymore. Or, you have to let go of preference to see God move. To see, to see God use our church to impact this city. Because I'm not okay with 90 people a minute going to hell. I'm not okay with it. That's why I pound the concrete downtown. I try to tell as many people about Jesus. If they're going to go to hell, they're not going to go to hell on my watch. Or at least they're going to crawl over my annoying body, my persistent voice. Oh, it's that guy again. People just start walking away. That's what I would want to happen. Because I want to be that guy. I want to be so loving and caring that the other day I was walking and this lady called out to me. I was like, God, I didn't know you had a female voice. I kept hearing, Ryan, Ryan. I'm like walking. I'm like, who in the world is talking to me? Ryan. I'm like, what in the world? And she ran across the street and grabbed me. She's like, I just had to talk with you. And so I, I got to pray with her. It was awesome. I, I prayed with her a couple weeks ago. You never know the, where those conversations are going to lead. But, man, we can't be okay with it. The next thought, the last thought, I'm going to get through this fast because I, I, I want to have a response. I think a lot of us need to lay down preference. And, and um, the last thought for today, don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. Nehemiah... This is so important. When you're appointed by God, the enemy will do everything he can to obscure your appointment. He will do everything he can to stop you from your appointment. Nehemiah said, the wall's complete. Don't open the door until it's hot and appoint gatekeepers and guards. You might say, well, well Pastor Ryan... Like, the wall was there to protect him. That's why Nehemiah wanted to build the wall. Yes, but guess what? Walls can be climbed. And guess what? An army is not as, as much likely to climb a wall where there's a sentry posted or a guard posted every so many feet because they could sound an alarm and everyone could muster their arms. And also... Just judging from the awesome humidity and amazing heat that Tennessee has provided the last several weeks, no one wants to attack in the middle of the day. He says, open your gates when the sun is hot. The enemy doesn't even want to attack when it's inconvenient for him. He's going to wait to attack you when it's convenient for him and inconvenient for you. So yeah, are the doors heavy? Would it make more sense to open the doors when it's kind of cooler? Absolutely. But also, if you open the doors when it's light or when, when it's cooler the enemy can get closer to you and guess what what you allow come into your gates might ruin your appointment might ruin all the work that the lord's been doing on you so nehemiah says don't open the gates until it's hot and then close the gates while it's still hot because you don't want to open yourself up to an attack from the enemy when god has an appointment for you
Don't let your guard down. Don't let your guard down. The question is, what do we open our gates to? Some of us have been leaving our gates wide open in our lives, and the enemies just march stuff right into our lives, and then we sit back, and when we're alone with God in, in those appointment times, he starts laying things on your heart, and you're like, how did that even get there? How did bitterness get in? How did unforgiveness get in? How, how, how did anger and hate, and, and how, did, how did these things get into my life? How did, how did, how did lust get in? How did... How did uh, <laughs> entertaining the thoughts of, of just whatever it in. We left our, door, our gates open too long. Nehemiah said, open your gates, but open them at the right time for the right people. He wanted commerce to come in. He wanted blessing to come into to Jerusalem. He wanted blessing. He wanted God to bless the people of Jerusalem, but he didn't want the enemy to sneak in with the blessing. Some of us need to close some gates in our life today. Some of us need to appoint guards in our life today. Nehemiah appointed guards. If you're appointed, then you need to have appointed guards. Safe checks. Maybe it's, man, I don't spend enough time with my family, so when I get home, I'm going to put my phone on the table so I can focus on my relationships there. Maybe it's um, leaving work early and prioritizing what's important. Because there's always going to be another board meeting. There's always going to be something else to do at work. Like, I'm the only one here during the week, and there's always something else for me to do. Amy has to call and text me like, hey, are you coming home? And I'm like, you're, you know what? You're right. I'm like, I'm done. I just close the lid on my computer. I don't slam it. Just close it. I'm like, I'm walking out. Because there's always something else for me to work on. But what's important? If I'm not careful, the enemy will try to sift the biggest blessing the Lord's ever given me. If I'm not careful, he'll try to ruin the relationships I have with my kids. I have to keep a guard up. And that's just one area of my life just to let you in. The enemy wants to sift you so encouraging. Jesus had this conversation with Peter and he said, the enemy has asked to sift you, but don't worry, I prayed that your faith would not fail. Some of us, the enemy is trying to sift us even right now. This is just hitting so deep. But don't worry, the Lord's prayed that your faith will not fail. The Lord loves you. He cares for you. He wants appointment times with you. He has an appointment for you. He wants to appoint you. God, God, God loves you, and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. It's not about what we can do to earn it. It's not about anything like that. It's all about trusting the Lord. Lord, I love you. I care for you. And I want what you want. When that happens, when that happens, God's going to show up every head bowed and every eye closed, let's all stand. If you're here today, it's no coincidence 
that you're here. There are no coincidences with God. If you're here today and you've never accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, well, this is your appointed time. This is your appointment time with the Lord to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It's very simple. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again. Come into my life. That's you today. The Lord wants to meet with you. He wants to change the course and direction of your life. He loves you and he cares for you. This is your appointed time to meet with him. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor Ryan, I have preferences that are getting my getting in the way of my appointment. There are things that I'm wrestling with that I just don't agree with. Here's the question. When you don't agree with God, who's wrong? It's not God. It's not God. So some of us need to find a place. I'm going to be up here. Nathan's going to be up here. Amy's going to be up here. We need to find a place. Maybe it's pray with one of us. Maybe it's find a place in your seat or across the front. And you just say, God, I want what you want. Purge me of this preference. And also, guys, we love you. And if you're facing anything, we want to pray with you. If you're facing anything, we're also here to pray with you. So we're going to worship. And as Ben starts to lead us in, in worship, we're going to worship with, with response as the Holy Spirit directs you to respond. And I believe he is. Some of you guys are going to end up at the front and not even realize how you got up there. You just, I had to move. I had to get out of my seat because the Holy Spirit led me. And that's good. I want you to be obedient. Father, I pray right now over this congregation. Lord, your word accomplishes what it wants to accomplish. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you will show up supernaturally, that you will get us out of the way, accomplish what you want to accomplish. And, Lord, let us walk out of here more like who you are, Jesus, in your name.